Shall we get into God's Word this evening? So we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 40. You do the same thing that guys in Nidri do, which is sit two or three rows back. So I'll come a bit further forwards. Isaiah chapter 40. I don't know about you, but probably at the end of a, a busy week, work-wise, or in ministry. And these verses are just gold, aren't they, for weary souls. So I'm just going to read the back end of Isaiah chapter 40, verse 27 to 31. We all there? This is God's word. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. He is the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, And young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Amen. Just ask for God's help before we look at this together. Dear Lord, with the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts, be pleasing to you, our Lord and our Redeemer. Amen. So I don't know about you, but life can feel quite overwhelming at times, can't it? The pressures of life at different times of our months, years, can feel like everything is just really on top. Sometimes we have jobs that stretch us to the max during the week. We don't know how we're going to get through the workload that we have. Sometimes we have family lives that are tiring and unrelenting, particularly if you've got kids who are under five. It just feels like you're just changing diapers the whole time and sorting out temper tantrums. Sometimes we have mental health problems that just seem to rob the joy out of our lives. Sometimes we have suffering, don't we? It just comes along out of the blue and just knocks the wind out of our sails. Things are going well and just suffering just comes and it blights our, our lives. Sometimes we have close family members that we dearly love who die. Sometimes we have people that we dearly love abandoning us at our time of need. We have people turning their backs in the Lord. For those in ministry, we seem to have pastoral problem after 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 pastoral problem. And out of those circumstances that we, that we go through, we naturally ask the question, well, where are you, Lord? Life is on top. What, what are you doing in these, in these circumstances? Are you there? Are you listening? Do you care? What's going on, Lord? Well, that's basically how the people of, of, of Israel felt in, in, in Isaiah. 
you know, the history of, of the book of Isaiah, uh, their heads have been battered pretty much. Uh, the superpower at the time, the Assyrians had invaded their country. They ravaged the country, burnt down their cities, taken all their young people across to Assyria and left kind of the old and elderly uh, behind. And uh, the Lord had sorted the people out a little bit. But then the next superpower had been come along, and that was the Babylonians. And again, they'd ravaged the country and defeated the people. And so it's one thing after another of the people. <laughs> Everything's all over the place. And so they're asking this question, and you can see it in verse 27, that exact question that we ask. My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. In other words, does not God care? I'm going through this suffering, Lord. Does, do you not care? Do you not see? Do you not hear? Have you not forsaken us and forgotten us? And into this situation, we get Isaiah speaking. We get God speaking to Isaiah, to his people. And it's the end of chapter 40, the whole of chapter 40. So three things this evening. First thing the Lord reminds them of in this situation is this. He reminds them of his power. He reminds them of his power. Look at verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. Here's the question that we ask when life is on top. Can God sort out the problems in my life? When life is on top, can God sort out the problems in my life? Is he powerful enough to sort out the things that are going on in my life? And the answer that Isaiah gives here, the answer that God gives here is yes. Yes, he is. And he says, Isaiah says here, look at creation. I mean, we can see it here. Look at creation and see how great your God is. Look at creation and see how great your God is. Just think back to verse 12 in the chapter. A beautiful verse. It says, Who has measured the water in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in the balance? And the answer to each of those questions is just the Lord. Only the Lord. He's the only one who knows how much water is in the sea and in our lakes and in our locks in Scotland. He's the one who can hold all that in the palm of his hand. He's the one who put the sky up above. He's the one who can weigh the mountains in a scale. I mean, just think how big our God is. We can barely lift weights with our hands. Some of us, like me, are super strong. We can lift really strong weights. It's not much, though. But God can hold the mountains with his hands. Look what he says in verse 26. 26 he says, look up, look up, people. Look at the stars in the sky. Who, who has numbered them? Who has put them up there? Who sustains them? And it's the Lord's. Apparently, there are 10 billion galaxies that we can see, that scientists can see. And each galaxy, there's approximately... 100 billion stars. So basically, that's more than 1 billion trillion stars in our sky. 
It's not like they're small stars, it's not like little tiny ones, like twinkle, twinkle, little star in the sky. Not tiny little things. They are thousands of times bigger than planet Earth. And Zara says, look at the Lord. Look what he's created. Look what he is sustaining. Look what he upholds with his mighty right hand. And if he's holding all that, is he limited in power in the everyday problems and struggles that we go through? And Isaiah says, no. Of course he's not. The problem that we have as Christians is this. We forget that, don't we? What we do is this. When we get a little problem in our life, sometimes they're a little bit bigger, sometimes they're a little bit smaller, but wherever they are, when we get that problem, what does it do? What it does is it blocks our vision of the Lord. And what happens is this. God becomes very small and our problems become very big. What have we done there? We've done the opposite of what Isaiah says. We're looking down. We're not looking up. Isaiah says here, God says through Isaiah, yes, you're going through a difficult time. Yes, you are struggling. Yes, these superpowers are against you. But this problem that might seem like it's massive is small compared to who I am and what I can do. You need to get things reversed. I'm not a grasshopper. I'm the creator. These little Assyrians and these little Babylonians are the grasshoppers. You are the grasshoppers. I am the creator and sustainer of the ends of the earth. Here's the thing that we need to do as Christians. We need to get perspective. And we so easily lose it. It's like when you get mad about something. Uh, I don't know what you get mad about, but my wife particularly gets mad at me because I don't stack my dishes in the dishwasher. I do that annoying thing where I use a bowl and I put it on top of the counter. Or a plate on top of the counter, I don't put it in the dishwasher. And my wife comes in and she isn't, she's mad with me. So why don't you just put it in the dishwasher, it's just there. And she stacks things away. We get mad at these little things, don't we? And then we get a phone call from a relative saying, Someone close to us has died. Suddenly, getting mad about the dishwasher goes out the window, doesn't it? As a small problem compared to a family member dying. We get perspective, don't we? That's the same when we come to the Lord. When we come to the Lord and we see how great he is, when we see how powerful he is, when we see what he's created, we see things in proper perspective. This is our problem. It might be big in our world, but it is small compared to the creator of the ends of the earth. This is what we do. We do it all the time as Christians. We love to do it as human beings. We do self-pity so well, don't we? We navel-gaze. Oh, woe is me and my little problems. What we do is we end up looking down like this. When the Lord says, look up. Look up at what I've created. Look at who I am. I am in control. So whatever's going on in your life this morning, this evening, sorry. The Lord's in control. And he's bigger than you can ever imagine. And he's working in your situation, whatever it is. 
and however big it is. It's not, it's not important to the Lord. Of course it's important. What Isaiah is saying here is get perspective. Second thing he says here is he reminds them of his wisdom. Look at verse 29. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Here's the second thing we do when things are going and on top and things are, are getting difficult in our lives. This is what we do and this is what we say. The Lord does not know what he's doing. That's what we think, don't we? When things are all over the place, the Lord obviously doesn't know what he is doing. If I was in charge, I would run things much better than he does. That's why Isaiah says here is no, no, no. His understanding is unsearchable. Who taught him counsel? Who taught him justice? Who taught him understanding? Who taught him anything? And the answer is no one. I mean, we get everything we know from everyone else, don't we? We get everything we know from school, teachers, parents, uh, Facebook, Twitter, social media, Snapchat, Wikipedia these days, even if it's wrong. That's where we get information from, isn't it? But no one taught God anything. And guess what? He's been running this universe a lot longer than you've been on planet Earth. But this is what we do, don't we? When we go through suffering, when we go through difficult times, is this. We become the pupil. So we become the lecturer and we make God the pupil. We say, God, come into my classroom and learn something from me. Isaiah says here, and God says to his people, no, 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 no. God's the lecturer. God's the potter. You are the clay. And God is much more infinitely wiser than you will ever be. He knows what he is doing this evening. He knows what he's going on. And his plans are always perfect. God, unlike us, does not make mistakes. Might not be your way of doing things. Might not be your plan for your life. But it's God's plan. He works out all things for the good of those who love him. Maybe you're suffering this evening because God wants to humble you. Maybe things are on top in your life right now and are overwhelming because God wants you to trust him more. Maybe your little one isn't sleeping through the night right now because he wants to teach you patience. Maybe we're in a time of singleness in our life because God wants to teach us contentment. Maybe God is saying no to something that you really want in your life because God knows that thing you want is going to harm you. See, we don't know the mind of God, do we? We don't know sometimes why difficult things happen to us. This is the one thing we can know as a Christian. We can trust him. We can trust him. Here's one thing that I've learned in the Christian journey, in the Christian life. Do not trust your emotions. Engage your emotions, but don't trust them as your first port of call. Every time we are emotional, We need to push our emotions through the lens of Scripture and bank our lives on the promises of God. If you're doubting God's promise for your life, throw yourself on his promises this evening. 
If you feel like life is out of control, you don't know what is going on right now, you need to throw yourself on the promises of God. Don't trust your circumstances. Don't trust your emotions. Trust in God's never-failing wise words. The grass withers. The flowers fall. Your emotions go up and down, but the word of God endures forever. And finally, we'll end with this. He reminds them here that they have a God who cares for them. They have a God who cares for them. The other thing that we believe when we're going through times of suffering and times where things are on top is that God doesn't care for me. (laughs) Doesn't care for my situation. And here's the thing. The people of God thought that God had abandoned them. That's why they say, why are you forsaking us, God? You don't care for us. You've forgotten us. You've abandoned us. The truth I couldn't be any further from the truth. The people who had abandoned God. It's been the other way around. God hadn't abandoned them. They had abandoned him. And he wrote this whole chapter so that they would know his comforting hand. Look at verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her. Like a shepherd, he'll gather the lambs in his arms. He'll carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. Yes, he's the great creator of the universe, the great creator of everything that we see. He's the sustainer of everything. And yet he cares for his children. What is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you care for him? When you look at that creation out there, you should think, how could God love a sinner like me? How could God love a sinner like me? Even though I've turned my back on him again and again and again, he still loves me in the Lord Jesus Christ. He still went after me in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's still patient with me in the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't believe the lie this evening that God doesn't care for me or for you. God has not abandoned you even in the most darkest and deepest hole that you get in. He is your shepherd who loves you. He's your shepherd who cares for you. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he will not leave you or abandon you, but his rod and his staff are comforting you. And the promise from this chapter is this. Whatever struggle we're facing with, whether we're really just tired of life or just tired spiritually this evening, here's the promise. God will always, 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 always give us the strength to endure. He might change your circumstances. He might not change the situation that you're going through, but he'll change you. And he'll strengthen you so that you can endure through the valleys that you're going through. Do you see that end of the chapter? He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. So if you're going through a difficult time, things are feeling overwhelming, don't believe the lie that he's not powerful, he is. Don't believe the lie that he doesn't know what he's doing, he does. And don't believe the lie that he doesn't care, he does. Wait upon him. 
Wait upon him, and he will renew your strength. And here's the thing. When you are feeling weak, and you are at your lowest point of life, and you are at your weakest, that is the best place to be. Because you're on your knees before the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says this to you this evening. Come to me. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. He will give you the strength in your darkest moment. He'll give you what you need in your weakest moment. He'll give you rest when the storms of life are pushing you this way and that way. But wait upon him. And he will renew your strength. Amen? Amen.